Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This show is sponsored by Wine Access. Go to wineaccess.com slash normal and check out my wine club with Wine Access and listen in the middle of the show for more details. I feel like since we got back from Portugal, which has only been, what, two weeks? Yeah. We've been on a pretty good tear of good wines. I feel like it brought us good wine Kavorka. I, I think that's correct. I think also you've had some stellar classes over the last <laughs> couple of weeks too, which has supplied us with an abundant array of excellent wine. It is true that the wines that I happen to select for the last couple of classes mm-hmm. have been pretty freaking phenomenal. So we had French wines on a budget, amazing wines. Right. I can't believe how inexpensive those wines are. Every time that I teach that class, I'm like, how are these this cheap? It's crazy. And and this good. Exactly. For the quality. And then the rosés. Oh, my God. Perfect season for it. I know. But then I also bought a bunch of extra Tavel. So we've been drinking a lot of that. That was excellent. And then it was my sister's birthday. And she was here for that. And we had that amazing rosé champagne. That was excellent. And I'll post it up on Patreon for the patrons. But it is a fantastic and very, very classy rosé champagne. My sister could not have been happier for her birthday to have something that awesome. I guess it's been mostly fantastic rosé. Although, again, we had a great Beaujolais, we had great Mm -hmm. Bordeaux. We've had some really, really great wines. And one of the other things that we've been having a lot of is Riesling. Yes. And we have been having delicious... Wait a minute, I don't like Riesling. Why do you always say that? Because you always say that. No, I always say you don't like sparkling and rosé because that's what my dad doesn't like and I get the two of you confused. No, I think you know that I like the rosé. I think you do like the rosé. But I I will give you credit that I did not love Riesling in the past, but I think that you have shown me the light. Yes. Once you start down the path of exploring for you dry Rieslings, because your problem was that you had this perception that it was sweet. And then anytime that we had one that was off dry, you were like, I can't do it. Or I wasn't pairing it with the right food. And Riesling paired with the right food is knockout. Sweet Riesling, off dry Riesling with the right food, like spicy. Spicy, Indian. Yes. So good. Because we've had so much Riesling, I thought that we would return to one of our mini series, which is again an outcropping of the great mini series mm-hmm. The Alternatives to a Fave, which incidentally was something that a patron I came up a patron with. Suggested of course, that, right? yes, best ideas ever. Riesling has so much versatility, and there are occasions where you want something like a Riesling, but the things that people sometimes suggest are a little bit of a yawn. Right. So I'm going to give you those things. And then I'm, yeah, I'm going to give you the things that people normally recommend. Oh, okay. And then we are going to take a sharp turn and I'm going to recommend things that no one ever recommends, but I think are suitable Numbers seven through 10 are things that no one else is going to recommend to you as Riesling alternatives, but I can guarantee you they are. All right. Okay. I can't wait to hear. These are things that... Number one, water. (laughs) No. These are things that I think are 
they are unique. But you know, that is my goal. My goal is always to give you the thing that somebody else is not going to give you. And my goal... But not obscure. Like, you have to go to Antarctica to try to... You might, buy it at, it some of these you might have local to local wine shop. Some of these you might have to dig a little bit okay. for. But let me just tell you something. They're always worth it. True. If I'm gonna tell you okay. about it, it's gonna be worth it. Fair and enough. if it's not gonna be worth it, I'm gonna tell you that also. Okay. That is my Schneider guarantee. Mm-hmm. As I always say, I try not to recommend crappy wines. I don't use that crappy word. I use a different one. But, you mm-hmm. know, I don't do that. And then people are always surprised when I say, try this wine, and they're like, what? It was so good. Right. Yes. I need to extend our thanks to our patrons as we do every week that you and I are together. As we say many times, and I know that we sound like Feed the Children, Sally Struthers, for those of you who are old enough, we really do make money to make the podcast through wine access and the patrons. It's what keeps the podcast going, allows us to maintain equipment and apps and hosting for the podcast. Well, and so and that you don't stuff. have to sell out. Not that you would, but it's you really can hard. remain completely independent, which right. is You know, critical. speaking of which, I just published on the website, the Big Hulking Winery List, oh, which right. is under the resources tab mm-hmm. on the wineformnormalpeople.com you've site. Got, you've got some new additions on there? There are many new additions. There's over 70 new brands on there. What? Oh, yes, that's because sad. there's I haven't updated it in a while because there was a lot of contention over the Gallo Constellation buyout. What? Gallo bought most of Constellation's lower tier brands, but then the FTC stepped in and said, you can't do this. Gallo is going to own too much. So then they farmed out some of the brands to Wine Group and to some other things. They kept some things they probably wouldn't have normally kept. So it took a while until the dust had settled. I did not want to make that happen, but it is updated. I I have to say those would be the people that have asked me to sell out before, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that. Yeah. So anyway, our patrons, Joanne D, Hillary L, Dale W, Garrett K, Audrey M, Alan C, Denise T, Harriet P, Chris C, Holly P, Sarah E, Max S, Kristen D, Paula T, and Sophie, Mark N, Cynthia M, Ann B, Kristen L, Steve S, Shelly S, Michaela B, Kimberly P, Lizette K, and Heather R. Thank you all so much. Again, we can't do the show without you. And thank you all for recognizing that. All right. So let's get to this alternatives to a favorite, which is always seems to be a popular series. Let me just give some background on Riesling. Riesling comes from Germany. I don't think that's a shock to anybody. Its parents are Sauvignon or Traminer, same grape. Sauvignon is S-A-V-A-G-N-I-N. I always call it Sauvignon to distinguish from Sauvignon, even though that's not saying it right. This is an audio show, so sometimes I have to bastardize the pronunciation a bit so that we know it's not Sauvignon Blanc. It's not, it's not related. Well, it is related. Sauvignon is the parent of Sauvignon Blanc, but it's a long story. Okay. Anyway, Let's just call it Treminer because it's easier. So it's like a Greek god. It's got lots of It has multiple names. No, I think it's like the Greek versus the Roman. Same god, different name. Okay. Jupiter Zeus. I was just going to say Jupiter Zeus. Mm -hmm. So Treminer is 
full and it's aromatic and it's powerful. We don't see a ton of it around. And then there is a tiny bit in the world of a grape called Gouet Blanc. Gouet Blanc is the parent of Chardonnay, the parent of Ganet, of Aligoté. It is the grape of Burgundy that Pinot mated with to make all of these unbelievable grapes. I thought Chardonnay was a, I don't know, what an apex no grape. No, it is not an alpha <laughs> grape like Pinot, which has been around so long that we don't even have any parentage information and we probably never will. Those grapes huh. are all extinct. Gouy Blanc on its own, because there is a little bit of it left, is really tart and thin, which is unbelievable because when it's crossed with something else, it makes these very interesting grapes. So hmm. through Traminer, we have Riesling related to Gruner Veltliner, Sauvignon Blanc, Chenin Blanc. And then through Gouet Blanc, it's related to Chardonnay, to Gamay, to Aligoté. So it was first mentioned in 1435 in Germany. We are fairly certain that that's where this grape comes from, since really the only evidence that we've ever seen is that it is the grape of Germany. Okay. There are a few different styles of Riesling, so we have to be careful about what we are comparing it to when we say Riesling. Riesling is not one grape. It's incredibly terroir-dependent. So we have Germany, and even within Germany, you have the Rheingau style, you have the Na style, you have Mosel, you have Faltz. So there are different styles. And then you have Alsace. Alsace is one of my favorite styles in the world. And then are there have, subspecies? There aren't really that many clones. There are okay. some biotypes, but a lot of it has to do with terroir and the way that they make the wine. Alsace is a little warmer, a little sunnier than many parts of Germany. It doesn't rain as much, so you get fuller fruit, fatter fruit. Hmm. Australia is another flagship style. That style is mainly due to the fact that it's very hot during the day and very cold at night, so you get really limey notes to it. Huh. It's very, very sharp in terms of acidity and always dry. And then I would say that Finger Lakes has another style altogether that has this minerality to hmm. it. But there's some things that we can generalize on. If it's dry or young, it's going to be pale green. And in sweet wines, it'll be bright yellow. And then as it gets older, it's moving closer to amber. But it's not a super dark wine, especially because generally speaking, nobody's going to be putting this grape in oak. You're not going to be putting this wine in a new oak barrel. You don't want to apply tannins or oak flavor because the whole point of it is to get these highly aromatic notes. Now, Riesling that's not aromatic is skunked Riesling because the one thing about Riesling is that it's got to have breakthrough blast your nose aroma. Skunked would have no? Corked wine often has no aroma. That's one of the things about corked wine. So corked wine can smell like wet basement or right, wet dog. Right. But it can also have nothing. Oh. And the TCA can deaden fruit notes. But when it's aromatic, which is most of the time, you're going to have peach and pear and apricot and lime and lemon, lychee sometimes, sometimes black currant. Washington State seems to have a lot of Riesling that has black currant notes in it like Cabernet Sauvignon, strangely. Although Sauvignon Blanc is a parent of Cabernet, right. so you know maybe it's coming from that instead mm -hmm. of the Cabernet Franc. Also, minerals, and then these white flowers like jasmine or gardenia, yeah, like, yeah. so pretty. Green herbs sometimes, mm -hmm. honeyed notes, honeysuckle or honeycomb, sometimes spiciness. Petrol. Petrol is mm -hmm. huge. It's in the skin of the Riesling grape. Some people say it's a flaw. 
I think it's fantastic. Sometimes it can be a little nutty. It can even be a little smoky sometimes, depending on the soil types and the textures. I mean, I was we've gonna got, say, does the petrol manifest itself as in texture as well? No, so it doesn't it feel more oily. No, no, no. Those. I'm glad you asked that because it really has nothing to do with that. So petrol is that it smells like gasoline, mm-hmm. like when you're in the gas station right. and some gas goes on the ground and there's that aroma. That is in Riesling. It has nothing to do with the texture because you can have a very light-bodied Riesling that is not unctuous or oily at all, but tastes or smells like petrol. Yep. So very different. Don't get those two things confused. Got it. I agree. That was a good question. Yes, you're amazing. <laughs> you're absolute MCS. You're on fire. You're on fire. Claudette's going to be like, you have to fire him. He knows too much. That's what she keeps saying. Sorry, that's Claudette why, is a patron. That's not why she's, she's been, yes. saying fire me. Yeah, yeah. She, she's like a member of our family at this point. We've known her for so long. Love you, Claudette. So it ranges from dry to sweet. It has this reputation of being a sweet wine, but these days, most of the Riesling that we see on the shelves is dry. It's either bone dry or almost all dry. Mm-hmm. Then it can make these very, very sweet wines, Trockenbüren Auslese. In Germany, you have the Vendange Tardive, the late harvest wines. And so you have both these things, but one thing is clear, no matter if it is dry or sweet, it is always piercing in acidity. The acidity is Mm. always very high, which makes it balanced when you have sweet wines. They can be, whether it's viscous or oily, which Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be, especially from Alsace, it's still acidic. The acidity may be slightly lower, And when you have real sweet wines, you might not notice it, but acidity is always there. And it is because of that acidity and also some... Without it, it's going to taste terrible, right? Right. It'll be like some of the Moscatos, cheap Moscatos. They they just don't have enough acidity Mm -hmm. to balance. But Riesling always has that if it's made well. These are some of the longest lived wines in the world because of that high acidity. And the sugar is also a preservative. Mm -hmm. With age, you're going to get more of the petrol note, cheese rind, things like that. It's an acquired taste. Old Riesling is not for everybody. It's super interesting. I think the first time I had it, I didn't think it was that great. Now I really like it. When was the first time that you had it? Do you remember? I think the first time I had old Riesling was when we went to Burns and we had that 1966 rind gap. Yeah, Yeah. right, right, right. Okay, you have... Sweet Riesling, dry Riesling, mm-hmm. off dry Riesling, uh-huh. and then sparkling Riesling, sect right, in right. Germany, sparkling Riesling. So as we are looking across for alternatives, we may run the gamut here. The first one I have is one that's often recommended. I've recommended it before, too, as an alternative to Riesling. Pinot Grigio. No, it is the most <laughs> obvious of all. It is Chenin Blanc from Vouvray, from Montlouis, from Savignier. And these are all different styles. In the Loire Valley, Chenin is the grape of both Anjou and also Touraine because of Vouvray and Mont-Louis. Savignier is in Anjou, and that is a dry version. In Anjou, you have Corte de Cham, you have Bonzo, you have these really, really famed sweet wines of Chenin. You also have sparkling Vouvray and Touraine. And then you've got dry wines, Vouvray Sec. Bon Louis mostly makes dry wines. Sauvignon mm-hmm. is almost always dry. This is just like what I just said about Riesling. It has these different kinds of aromas, more like green apple. It smells like sheep's wool. It has this lanolin huh. creaminess scent to it, like okay. a honeysuckle. With time, it becomes a little bit more like honeycomb. It sometimes smells like flowers. It can smell 
peachy. It is highly aromatic. Just like Riesling, wines have been made here since the Middle Ages in the Loire in these areas. You've got a grape that is so versatile that it's confusing. They are not as good at labeling in the Loire as they are in Germany. Really not that shocking. Right. <laughs> but you can the, get... The Germans are organized and... Yes, the Germans are obviously very good at precision. Mm-hmm. But it's very confusing because you can get a sec, which is dry. Sec tendre, which is off dry. Demi sec, which is right. sweet. Moulot, which is... I'm sure I didn't say that right. It's very sweet. None of those things are ever used on labels most of the time. Right. So you don't even know what you're getting a lot of time. This Ugh. is a big problem. They need to crack down on this because it would make Shannon more popular. Uh-huh. The only legally enforced term is sec. If you're putting it on sparkling vouvray, you have to put that if it's less than eight grams of sugar per liter. Oh, okay. But it's, we don't have that, that for the dry wise. Except, right. Well, it's the AOC system, the mm-hmm. Appalachian Regime Controle system. So it's strict. But these wines can age for decades. They have high acidity. They're extremely aromatic. They do better after a couple of years of age. It's basically like what I just said about Riesling. It's right? weird that they'd be strict with certain categories and not all of them. It is kind of odd, I think, because sparkling vouvray is a more controlled category. There's yep. maybe a little bit less wine. It's easier to control. Oh, uh, that's a good point. In Anjou or Coteau de Leon, where they're making these very sweet wines, there are controls over how many grams per liter and the yields parameters and things like that for huh. the sweet wines. The trouble we run into is that when you buy Vouvray or Mont Louis, you're not sure if it's dry or sweet. This has been a problem for Vouvray and for Chenin Blanc for a while. It'd be like if Coke didn't differentiate regular Coke from Diet Coke. It really is like That's that. That's ridiculous. Yes, it is a slight problem. Sauvignon is the one that I usually, if I can afford it, will buy because it's always reliably dry. Sauvignon is a dry Chenin Blanc from the Loire. Mm-hmm. So because I like dry Riesling, I like dry Sauvignon as well. Sauvignon is always on our Thanksgiving table because oh, I'm yeah. willing to spring for it because it's really awesome. So the next one is one that actually has been confused with Riesling and was a grape that people thought was related to Riesling and then brought across Europe to wind up in northern Portugal and western Spain, and that is Albarino or Alvarino. So people used to think it was related to Riesling. Really? It's super aromatic. It's got those melon and peach notes that Riesling can have. It has very high acidity. In Spain, at least, I think it tastes like cookies, like lemon cookies. Not in the sense that it's sweet. It's certainly dry. But there's also salinity because of where it grows. And it always has high acidity. So again, this is reminiscent of Riesling. I would like to try them side by side. I don't think I ever have and I because I just never would have made that association. But as you're describing them, I guess I can see it. But Yes. I'd really like to taste them next to each other. Yes, and they're both excellent. They're just slightly different. Then you have Vino Verde. You have Alvarino, and the difference is that that's a little bit less round and soft. It's a little more citrusy and herbal with higher acidity. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes blended with some other things. I would say that Alvarino mm-hmm. is probably more like Riesling, what I would envision, and especially more like Alsace Riesling or False Riesling, okay. where you have softer styles than Vino Verde. If you have not gone on wineaccess.com slash normal and checked out 
the new $150 for six bottle pricing for the Wine Access Wine for Normal People Wine Club. Do it today. Our next shipment is what I like to call Serge DeRay all day. I have already done the videos for it, written the letter, and that's what you'll get every single time that you participate in this wine club, which is four shipments a year of six bottles and now $150 for those six bottles. Wine Access, if you have not checked them out before, fantastic customer service, unique wines. They really are about access. Wines you can't get anywhere else at awesome prices. They're box emanates quality as soon as you get it. Wine notes with serving temperatures and food pairings, everything that you would want is included. So if you haven't checked them out today, go to wineaccess.com slash normal, sign up for my wine club. People who have signed up for the wine club have been so excited to get their shipments and they've loved them. If you go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP, that'll bring you to a page of my favorite wines from Wine Access. If it's your first order, you get 10% off. Great wines. They're shipped right to your door. Wineaccess.com slash normal or wineaccess.com slash WFMP. And let me say this about Wine Access. Without them and without the patrons, we would have no wine for normal people. They help keep the podcast going. So please do support them. And also please think about supporting us through Patreon. For as little as $21.60 a year, you can help keep the podcast going. And then you'll get access to the Patreon community with private content that you can't get anywhere else. And let me tell you, it is extensive content. When people join, they are floored at how much is there and how active the community is. Check it out today, patreon.com slash wine for normal people. And the other way you can support us is by going to winefornormalpeople.com slash classes and signing up. Check it out today, winefornormalpeople.com slash classes. New classes are always being posted and I would love to see you in them. Winefornormalpeople.com slash classes. And now let's get back to the show. Now I'm going to veer off for a second into the weird ones, but then I promise I will go right back to like the list that everybody else does. Okay. Lorero. So Lorero is... An interesting one. As I'm talking about Alvarino, Alvarino is something that you will find in Vino Verde. Now, I have said this many times, and if you still haven't listened, listen here again. Vino Verde, if you are going to buy it, buy a varietal labeled Vino Verde because they are better. They should have a grape on them. Vino Verde has evolved a lot from cheap, fizzy wine. You want to buy that, that's fine. But if you want to really taste what's going on in Portugal in dry white wines, Alvarino is one of the best grapes that they have. Mm-hmm. Lurero, if it's made well, and this means restricting yields, and I've had both bad versions and good versions, but if you can get a good version of it, you will find that it has kind of an orange peel note and Ooh. gardenia and jasmine. Hmm. What does that sound like? Citrusy. It can have minerality also. Mm-hmm. On the non-Riesling side, it may be more herbal or nutty. It may be more like grapefruit. I do not find, sometimes people describe Riesling as grapefruit. I do not find that in any of the versions, not even an Australian. I do not find that. Lime, yes. Grapefruit, no. And Lorero also doesn't often have oak. Now, Lorero is named after the laurel leaf, which is the bay leaf, which we often put in for seasoning, right? right? It is aromatic, but you have to make sure that you restrict yields. 
if you get Lorero from a good producer, and I'm not saying one of the larger producers, it can make really great wines. The other thing, it makes dry and sweet wines. And here we are in Riesling territory once again. Hmm. Torontes. Okay. Torontes Riojano. There are several different types of Torontes, but Torontes Riojano from Argentina, growing in the high altitudes of Salta, which is the north province, Cafayate. We've done a show on it. Mm-hmm. Altitudes of around 5,000 feet, 1,500 Jeez. meters. Floral and honey with lemon and lime and white flowers. It is very dry, but you smell it and you think this is going to be like Viognier, which I'm not recommending, incidentally, because although Viognier is an aromatic, it is fat in body. It has low acidity. And that is not what we're looking for with Riesling. We're looking for grapes that have aroma plus acidity. That's how we're coming up with this list. It is not aroma. Right. It's aroma plus acidity. Okay. I only have one thing here that has questionable acidity. And the only reason that I'm including it is because it's somewhat a partner grape in one of the regions. Torontes is a great example of this because when you taste it, you think, oh man, what's coming down the train here is going to be really sweet. And then you get this, wow, it's a dry, it's really crisp, it's fresh, clearly grown somewhere that some coolness has happened. And so it has that nice combination of aroma plus acidity, plus dryness. And I think it's surprising in the same way that a dry Riesling is surprising. And that's one that, as I recall, that you can drink by itself. Like, yeah, you always think yes. you're going to hate it. Yes. And then you taste it and you go, wow, that's yep. really surprising. Torontes is related to Muscat, which is a highly aromatic grape. I've seen a lot of these lists where they list Muscat Blanc. hmm as a substitute for Riesling. I don't see it that way. I think they have very different notes to them. I think that the family of flavors is different. But Torontes is the one crossover. I toyed around with Malvasia, which is the other family of grapes that tends to be something that's similar. And instead I went with some other things. Why? Just a little bit too. Malvasia is a little too on the floral side. Without some of those grounding mineral okay, notes, okay. it just doesn't have that usually, not always. Mineral, but, or is it the acidity that's lacking? Well, think about Riesling, which can be spicy, it can smell like minerals. You get these citrus and then the petrol and all of these things together. You're not going to find that in Malvasia. Okay, another one is this is a relative Grunewaldliner, mm-hmm, is related mm-hmm. through Treminer. Is Austria's big grape. But what's the difference? I mean, to me, they just feel so similar. We've had Austrian Riesling recently. I think it's a good observation to say they're similar because the way that they're similar is absolutely not in flavor or aroma, in my estimation, but a little bit in texture because Gruner does have pretty oh, that makes high sense acidity. For me because I'm more sensitive to texture than right. I am flavor. Gruner has relatively high acidity, although not all versions do. There's multiple styles of it. If you get a lighter, fresher style, that's going to have minerality and citrus. Sometimes it has a little spritz. Sometimes Riesling has a little spritz. It can age for a long time. Sight and yield are going to matter a lot to Gruner. But once you get in there, you get spice. The white pepper is big. Mm -hmm. You don't find that in Riesling. But you get citrus like lemons. And you can get peach and pineapple sometimes, which, again, not so much pineapple in Riesling. But you can sometimes get 
those tropical fruit notes and the acidity is quite good. Mm -hmm. So Gruner in that way can be really great. Now there are some heavier Gruners that have lower acidity and those may be less like that. Those are a little bit more like white burgundy. Those are going to be a little heavier, but those lighter versions can definitely be like a lighter style Riesling. Hmm. Generally no oak. They're usually going to do stainless steel or old cask. Barrique age doesn't work. Same thing with Riesling. So you see that similarity. They're grown in very similar places. Gruner can stand a little bit more heat than Riesling, but white pepper of maybe a little bit more body and lower acidity. And you get a fuller mouthfeel out of Gruner than you will out of Riesling most of the time. Gruner was a gateway wine into Riesling for me. Good. They they share a parent. Right. So I think that that common ground is Mm -hmm. going to make it pretty similar or similar enough. Another grape, which you do not like and I love, is Gewürztraminer. Where does it get it? Spiced Traminer. We have the Traminer grape here. So once again, sharing a parent. Mm -hmm. You have this very aromatic, lychee, tropical fruit, ginger, rose, very full body, lower acidity, higher alcohol. So in many ways, I disagree with the fact that Gewürztraminer, for the same reason that I disagree with Viognier, but Viognier goes into much warmer weather. You feel it. So you're that it's disagreeing a with your wine. own choice is what you're saying. No, I'm <laughs> using this as an example of, I mean, I guess, you know, Condrayou, maybe we could say the Condrayou Viognier mm-hmm. from the Rhone, because it does have higher acidity, could be something that you could replace. Okay, so we can add that to the list. Gewürztraminer, you're going to have to be really careful. If you want it to be a Riesling substitute, it has to be bone dry. It has to be lower in alcohol. And it's got to have some moderation of over the top, as Jancis Robinson calls it. And it's not a word that we use really in the U.S., but blousy. And not like Blouse Barn. I knew you were going to say that from the Schitt's Creek show. No, no, no. You know, it's like kind of over the top. Too much, too much, too much. And Viognier can get like that too. So restrained styles of Gewürztraminer that are dry, Mm -hmm. maybe from cooler vintages in Alsace, or maybe from cooler parts of Germany, you might be able to find that and it may be a good substitute for Riesling. The problem is they do have very different aromas. Mm -hmm. So you have to like really aromatic wines. If you can get one with a bit more acidity and lower alcohol, then Gewürztraminer could be a good, okay, I love Riesling. Let me try something else. But don't, you can't just pick a garden variety Gewürz off the shelf. It better be lower than 14% alcohol or you're going to get nothing that you're going to want in that. That would be my advice. It sounds like Gewürztraminer with an asterisk. Yes. And just like I said, I wouldn't normally say Viognier, but I guess I just thought of Contrayou. And I guess that could be a Riesling okay. substitute also. Okay. Of course, it's $65 a bottle. U.S. Riesling will run you like between 15 and 20 for an excellent bottle. Right. So you might as well just drink the Riesling at that price. Right, right, right. All that Contrayou is, there's nothing like in the world. All right. Here's my less predictable group that I do not think you're going to see on any, hey, try this Riesling. We're up to seven through 10 now? We are. Actually, we're really up to eight because I just oh, threw in the Condrio. Yeah. yeah, you got the bonus. So I already added Lorero, which I guess would be on this part of the list too. So I'm almost saying that half this list is stuff that maybe you've never heard of. But the first one is from Frulli Venezia Giulia in Italy, and it is 
Ribola Jala. Now, Ribola Jala is a wine that I tried in like 2017, 2016, when I was doing that project where I met Serge through another wine sales site, which I did not love that. So wound up leaving, but they gave us some rare and interesting varietals. And of course, we were trying to hit this ridiculously low price point. At the time, nobody really knew what Ribola Jala was. Now you can find it sometimes. But it makes these dry wines that are like peach and pear and citrus. They can smell like white flowers. They've got great acidity. They can be like honey and minerals and apricot. This sounds like I'm describing Riesling. Right. It is full of aroma and flavor. Sometimes it has this silky texture to it, which I really, really love. And is that one of the main differences? Yes, I think the, the main difference is the silkiness. Okay. I find it to be much silkier than Riesling, mm-hmm. although there are some Rieslings that are also incredibly silky. So, yeah, but does that mean it's it's less acidic? Yes, it does have good acidity, but less acidity okay. than Riesling. It's hard to get as much acidity in a grape. As Riesling has, yes. Ribola Gialla from Frulli Venezia Giulia in northern Italy would be a great one to try if you just want to try something interesting. And I've got two other Italians for you. Well, three other Italian wines that may be really interesting. Pecorino. No, not the cheese. Right. This is a light-skinned grape from Marche or Abruzzo on the eastern side of Italy. And this wine is like jasmine and minerals can be like thyme and sage and herbs and it can have a balsamic note to it, pears. There's a lot of different styles to Pecorino, but mainly it's light and fruity and refreshing and it's unoaked. It can be fuller bodied if they do lees stirrings, the surly aging and lees stirring, and then it might be a little bit fuller. But They don't really barrel age it. They also make sparkling wine and a sweet dessert wine. Hmm. In many ways, this is like the Marque version of Riesling. And this is a delightful wine if you have not had it before, but it's also highly aromatic. It can be creamy. It can be tart. And again, the creaminess may be the difference. There is a little bit of bitterness sometimes on the finish, and that's going to be different from Riesling too, which does not have that at all. Good acidity and lots of aromatics in the same vein as Riesling. So I would say Pecorino is like that. And also from this area is Verdicchio. Verdicchio from Marche, Verdicchio di Castelli di Gesi. I feel and like you've talked about Verdicchio recently. We've had it from Metallica or Metallica. Pronounced Metallica. Metallica, right. right. Never Neverland, yeah, is that correct? Sandman. Enter Sandman, sorry, yes, yes. yes. Neverland, Never I think, was uh, Peter Pan. Oh my God, isn't that Internet? Yeah. Yes. Often Never Neverland. Oh yes, I guess you're right. See, okay. yes, stop it. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe you're making me sing on the show. If anybody it was better like, than that. If you guys have a long distance request, I guess I'd be willing to sing it for you, but it won't be as good as that. Oh my my, God. That Metallica was amazing. Throwback to Casey Kasem. Nice job. Was that not amazing, though? Yes. The, that was just... I. This nice is why you're married back. to me. This is why you're married to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Verdicchio is also made in sparkling and sweet styles. Verdicchio is dry, age-worthy, adapts well to different terroir. You've got tropical fruit and pear. Okay. Differences almond. But they can get petroly, 
Okay. They can get flinty. They are like Riesling. Okay. So Okay. And? So Verdicchio so is another one. So it's and, Riesling. And then I've got another Italian, my final Italian, which is from Alto Adige. And this is Kerner. I poured Verdicchio, Pecorino, and Kerner for the whites of Italy. And one was the off the beaten path. And these wines were highly popular. People loved Kerner. Kerner is a very interesting wine. It's this crisp wine, but it's still full and silky. It can have petrol notes. It can be like apple and mineral and pear. Sounds like a Franken wine. Peach, grapefruit. How could you mix nutmeg. all of these characteristics? It sounds an awful lot like Riesling, which makes sense because Riesling is a parent of Kerner. Kerner was bred in 1929 by crossing Trollinger, which is also known as Schiava of Renache, which is a grape that's grown still very widely in Alto Adige, and Riesling. And I think the only difference is Kerner has a very strong nutmeg flavor, which mm. I, no other wine I've ever tasted has. Is it good? Oh, it's delicious. Is, it, you had it, it when we had it. Uh, you can't Kerner? remember anything. Yes. No, I can't We had it anything. in the old. whites of Italy. In the... Isarco Valley, in Terlano, Bolsano, these are areas that are in Alto Adige. Kerner is a little more difficult to find, but they are fresh and fruity and mineral rich. This is an excellent substitute for Riesling. You have these wonderful characteristics in Kerner and then also in some of these other Italians like Ribola, Gialla, Pecorino, and Radicchio which are Riesling-esque. Hmm. So check them out if you like Riesling because some of them have lower aromatics, but they are still really, really interesting. And they've got the contrast between acidity and aroma, which is really what Riesling is all about. Contrasts. 10 or 12 or 73 uh, at this We've point. lost count, yes. I do this on every single alternative yes. to it. This one is a little off the rails. Malaguzia. Malaguzia. Greek. Did you just make this up? No. Do you remember that I took out this bottle and I said that I got it in Chapel Hill and that we needed to drink it? Yes. And we were like, what the hell is this? Yes. It's delicious. Yes. Right. That is Malaguzia. Oh, I do remember that. And you asked, is this Riesling? Or you said it was like Riesling. And it was at that point that I knew that it had to go on this list. Because in the 1970s, Malaguzia was almost extinct. People thought it was extinct. They found it growing probably in some crag. So then university professors and top growers took Malaguzia and they have started to propagate it more. Peaches, herbs, floral notes, very dry, very acidic, but with enough alcohol to round out the body. It is so good. It's usually vinified in stainless steel, so you're going to get those aromatic characters. Originally, Am I going to be able to buy it anywhere? These are wines that you have to seek out. You said, oh, they're not going to be too obscure. Right. They are a little bit obscure, but if you go to a Greek restaurant, you're going to see Malaguzia. Oh, Absolutely, okay, 100%, okay. because it's very popular right now huh. with Assertico, but Malaguzia will be a lot cheaper because a lot of people don't know about it, hmm. and it is delicious. Assertico may be popular and trendy. Malaguzia is the wine that you want, especially if you love Riesling. Okay. Sweet versions made with late harvest grapes. It's just beautiful. It's from the west part of Greece. 
it's spread throughout mainland Greece. It's also on Rhodes and Paros, the islands. Mm -hmm. Hugely successful. Actually, other people are growing it in other regions besides Greece now or other countries now. A perfect example of an aromatic Greek wine. The common thread here, and I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, oh, why didn't you include this or that? It's all just to get your brain, your memory jogged here about things that you've tasted. But this list is full of things that some of them resemble Riesling and some of them have some vague echoes of Riesling Uh that if you like Riesling, you will like. I am not saying that all of these are perfect matches for Riesling. And I don't want them to be. Otherwise, you just get a Riesling. Right. And you should get a Riesling. Right. But when you get a Riesling, pick like, up a Rapola Jolis. If there are characteristics of Riesling you like, then you might like these other ones. Sometimes you say, I love Riesling, I love Riesling. And Riesling is one of the grapes that I drink the most. But I also drink five bazillion other grapes because I just cannot commit to one grape. And some of the things that I love about the grapes that we've mentioned are things I also love about Riesling, which is why they're on the list. I know I'm just floozy. I know. I've just (laughs) sent you all on a strange goose chase for things like Kerner and Verdicchio and Pecorino and Rebola Gialla and Lorero. But as I said at the beginning, I try not to recommend bad wine to you. And I'm telling you that if you get a good producer, none of these wines will disappoint. Mm-hmm. And you should go back and take another look at Chenin Blanc if you have not done that for a while. Of course, you can do that in the wines of the Loire class as well. And I can teach you all about that if you want to take that. But if not, you can explore these things by yourself. Torontes is relatively easy to find from Argentina. Yes. Gruner's obviously easy to find. And if you want, you can do what MCIs was talking about. Buy an Albarino or a Ribola Jalo or a Pecorino. Marry a wine expert who can... Oh, no. That, not and that then <laughs> pair it up with a dry Riesling and see whether these characteristics mirror each other at all. Maybe they will and maybe they won't. But my sense is there's essences and echoes it, here. Yeah, and I it, think that they're really, really interesting. And Get some friends together and each bring one of these recommendations and try them all next to each other. That's right. So that is my list of alternatives to a fave Riesling episode. If you have a favorite grape that you would like us to consider doing this with, please let us know. You can hit me up on Patreon or you can do the contact us forum that might take a little bit longer for me to get back to. If you are interested and you have something that you want us to do this on, please let me know. All right. No, we just looks like we just got one in uh, online. It's the Concord grape. Yes, I think so. Yeah. So go and ahead. And I've got a great alternative. Uh-huh. Flight of the Concord. Uh, you should watch that show instead oh of drinking God. the grape. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, Good? Great. Was it Flight of the Condor? Flight, Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Uh, was that a show on HBO? Yes. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm it's not like crazy. musical comedy. You're really taking me away from my Suits binge watch this summer. So I really, we have to end this podcast. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I haven't. You have managed to do just fine on your own. Okay. I know. I'm a little obsessed. I'm not going to lie. But so is the rest of the country. What do you want from me? I'm totally dating this podcast. It is now summer 2023 and every human being in America is watching Suits. I have no idea why. I don't even know why I'm watching it. I like to waste my time, I guess. I should be spending more time doing the podcast. All right. So that is Alternative to a Favorite Riesling Edition. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. 